When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TC Live is on the air. Andre Rublev appeared headed for another big stage disappointment. Two games from defeat against the team sensation from Denmark. But at the last possible moment, the Russian turned it around just as he did against Rune in Australia this January. And for the first time, he is a Masters 1000 champion. Hi, everybody, and welcome to TC Live on this championship Sunday with Chris Eubanks here in our Tennis Channel studios with Andy Roddick at the home office. I'm Brett Aber. And yes, Andre Rublev is the winner in Monte Carlo. Andy, he had 4-1, Runa did in that final set, had a break point for 5-1. What happened from there? Yeah, I mean, listen, that, that, that uh, switchover at 4-1, he called for the trainer, which is not something you normally see uh, from someone who has momentum on their side. Maybe he felt something physically before we were able to observe it. Played a dumpster fire of a game at 4-2 <laughs> after he didn't break at 4-1. Had uh, uh, two double faults, missed a couple first balls. Uh, barely made Rublev play that game and then barely made him play again at 5-all. Missed a couple of overheads. So uh, credit to Rublev for staying in there. Uh, beat him physically with endurance today. Beat him mentally, but... Man, Runa really, really let that one go. We're going to show you the trophy presentation as soon as it starts on center court. But, Chris, you called this match. How much of it was physical as we saw Runa start to break down? How much of it was above the neck for the teenager? I think a lot of it was physical. Jason asked me at the beginning of the match that I think the Runa's ability to recover was going to be a factor in this match, and I didn't think so. Whether it's around low 60 degrees, a little bit of wind... At an hour 40 in, they had been playing a lot of quick points, so I didn't think the physicality was really going to take hold, but it seems to sure did. Rublev was able to make Runa play longer points, force him into uncomfortable situations, and then when Runa began to doubt his legs and started having some cramping issues, you, could just had, you had a sense that it was only a matter of time before Rublev regained control of the set. He's had a cramping issue early in his career on multiple occasions. Let's go to the ceremony. Mark Mowry has the honors. The trophy will be presented by His Serene Highness Prince Albert II of Monaco, accompanied by the president of the Monegasque Tennis Federation. Prince Albert an Olympian in his own right, and bobsled for the tiny principality of Monaco, his mom, Grace Kelly, an American. The 19-year-old runner-up, Holger Rune.
vainqueur du Rolex Monte Carlo Masters 2023. Il obtient son 13e titre, le premier en Masters 1000. The champion of 2023, his 13th title, his first at a Masters 1000, Andre Rublev. A few words from the players. Hello, everybody. Um, first of all, I want to say uh, congrats to Andre. You know, it's your first Masters 1000 title. It's huge. So, uh, you know, congrats to your team as well. You've been working, uh, you know, very, very hard for it. So uh, you deserve it, and uh, good luck for the future. And then um, I want to say thanks to my team. Um, it's been a great week. We were. Very close to make it, but uh, I'm sure we, we're going to get the chance another time. So thank you, guys. And then um, thank you to all the ball kids, the line umpires, the umpires, and everybody who made it possible this week. Um, it's a fantastic tournament. I said it many times now that uh, I really enjoy to play here. So I cannot wait to be back next year. And, uh, Last but not least, I want to say thank you to the crowd. It's been absolutely amazing. So thank you, guys. Andre, please. Uh, so how to start? Uh, yeah, first of all, I would like also to congress Holger and Rune for the amazing week and your team. I mean, I know it's, it's tough to lose in the final. But man, you're too freaking young, man. You, and, you already, <laughs> and you already have 1,000, one, 1, uh, you have already 1,000 titles. At least give me one, uh, one time to win it. Uh, yes, so. Uh, then, of course, I would like to say big thanks to Monsignor and Princess for uh, like always to do this tournament amazing with amazing history and uh, really great hospitality and, uh, and amazing facilities thanks to Melanie for everything I make ah, sorry sorry, sorry. Uh, he's tired <laughs> too much sound guys sorry you got the federation president uh, and the princess backwards I, I, I might be stupid you know so uh, yeah, so thank you so much, guys, to all of you. Uh, uh, then, of course, I almost forgot to say thanks to to my team for my. Uh, we, are, we start to work this year, and it's our first title, and it's uh, our biggest title. So, thank you so much, guys, and I hope. Yeah, I'm not annoying you, and you you still like me. And uh, that the last thing I just want to say, big thanks to all of you guys because uh, being from country where I am and uh, to have uh, international support all over the world, it's uh, it means a lot. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you.
So they'll pose for some photos and go through the post-trophy presentation perfunctories, but the bottom line is that Andre Rublev is a Masters 1000 champion for the first time. That was probably his biggest unforced error of the day, was mixing up the Federation president and the princess of Monaco, but uh, he'll be excused for that mistake. Brett Haber, Chris Eubanks, and Andy Roddick with you on TC Live. And as we start to analyze what happened here in particular over the last 45 minutes, I wonder how much you think, as a player, do you remember these things? The match in Australia came into play in Holger Runa's mind. He had 5-3 in the fifth on Rublev, had match points, had a 5-0 lead in that match tiebreak, and couldn't get across the line. When you get into a similar situation, do those things pop into your head, Chris? I think they can, but I think better players are able to kind of dismiss them out of their head as soon as possible. This match had its own battles in, in itself. I think it was more of a physical toll that was taking place on his body as opposed to thinking of, oh, wow, I've had an opportunity up 4-1 in the third, points to go up a double break. I wasn't able to capitalize. I'm, there's probably a bit of a letdown there, but I think he was more concerned about his physical fitness and his ability to be able to last and be able to close out the match because so much of cramping is not just physical. A lot of it is also mental, and if you don't trust your body, that's where you can feel the tension kind of build up in the body and force yourself to have to press a little bit more, and he wasn't able to do it in the right times. I've been told, Andy, that there are two kinds of cramping for athletes. There, there's the physical dehydration cramping, and then there's the pressure mental cramping. You were a pretty significant sweater. Um, this mental cramping from Runa that we saw today? Well, yeah, listen, I, I think that's a good point, Brett, because in my the entirety of my career, I, I, I pride myself on having, having put in uh, you know, as many hours in a day as, as any other player. And I never would just randomly cramp three and a half hours in uh, on a practice court. It just didn't happen. But then in match courts, uh, there, there came a point in time, especially early in my career, where I, I ran at my, my baseline was a pretty high stress level, right? <laughs> whether it was practice, whether it was training, whether I was on court, uh, there were always ticks. I was constantly moving. And I actually see a lot of that in, in, in Holger Runa. Right. So I had to learn how to kind of pace myself uh, through tough matches to where eventually through some mixture of, uh, you know, fitness diet. I don't know what that is for him, but I do know those kind of physical manifestations of being uh, hyper aware, hyper nervous over the course of three hours definitely takes uh, a physical toll. And then when you feel it coming physically, right, it looked you know, to all of us like he was good to go when he was up four one in the third. He felt something we didn't called the trainer and to Chris's point, and I think he's spot on that creates a bit of a mental waterfall potentially with, Oh my gosh, is my body going to give out in two games? Do I have to force the issue here? Oh, I, when he was up for two and didn't break to go up five, one, it was as if he looked like the match was getting away from him, but he was still firmly in control of it. So listen, a physical thing can come from a mental thing and, and, and vice versa, but he definitely runs hot, which is great for every day because the kid seems incredibly focused on his career. It doesn't seem like he has off days from a focus perspective, but he does run uh, pretty high stress from where I sit. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think the key element here is this is something he's dealt with in the past, and I think that's when the big mental hurdle starts to come into play. He's spoken at great length about it being better about his recovery, being better about his nutrition. Those things have helped him be able to last in longer matches and not deal with the cramping issues. But when you've had a long gap without having to deal with something that has plagued you in the past and it starts to come up in one of the biggest moments in your career, that's exactly, just like to Andy's point, that 4-1 game, that's not a reaction of someone who's up a break mm -hmm. in the third set of a final of a Masters 1000. That's a 
that's a reaction of someone that says, uh-oh, this isn't good. And I know what this feels yeah, like. I've yeah. dealt with this in the past. And I need to try to force the issue to get this match finished as quick as possible. We saw it in Acapulco this year against Demonor. He cramped in a third set and could not get across the line. It's happened a bunch of times. He's only 19. Hopefully it's something that he can work out. Let's show you how the whole match played out. Chris was on the call with uh, Jason Goodall. Second Monte Carlo final for Rublev. He lost to Sitsipas two years ago. Runa in his second Masters 1000 final, and he won Paris, of course. Yeah, and he was able to do it extremely well, starting off this match showing, showcasing an aggressive game style, specifically on second serve returns. Had a flurry of beautiful drop shots he was able to execute all throughout the match. Forced Rublev to press, and Rublev played a shocker of a game at 5-6 to get broken to lose the first set. Next thing we know, Rublev goes off the court, takes one of those bathroom breaks that forces him to come back dialed in, and come back dialed in, he did. Got off to a great start in the second set, taking out so many unforced errors that plagued him in the first set. Had a great winner to unforced error ratio in that second set, 11 winners to three unforced errors. Holger, on the other hand, seven winners to 11 unforced errors. That's just not gonna get it done. And this is when things started to turn. 4-2 in the third, Runa up, pressing on the backhand from outside the singles line, redirecting it line. You can see that Rublev sensed the moment, sensed that something wasn't up, and this is when things really went bad. First point of five all game, missing an overhead, Holger being the aggressor, dictating play. Rublev again, scrapping and clawing and fighting his way to just make Runa play one extra ball. Throws up another overhead on the very next point. You guessed it, legs not there, misses it, smashes the ball out of the stadium, gets a cold violation warning for the chair umpire, and then gives away the break with a double fault. At this point, you had to feel that all of the momentum was in Andre Rublev's favor. And he closed it out in emphatic fashion, his first Masters 1000 title. Second straight comeback win. Remember, he dropped the first set against Taylor Fritz in the semis, came back to win that, does the same thing today against Rublev. Just 22 unforced errors in three sets of tennis. And look at that number highlighted on the left. Rublev won 62% of Runa's second serve points in this match. The stat that, that stands out to me, Andy, is the low unforced error count. We know that early in his career, actually recently, Rublev would litter up the stat sheet with misses, especially when he was having an off day. He's cleaned up his tennis. How do we explain how he's done that so much? Yeah, well, work, right? And, and, and positional awareness and having gone through the reps of these late tournaments. Listen, we've spent a, a, the, the first little block of this show talking about what went wrong for Runa, but yeah. we do need to kind of stand back and give a round of applause for Andre Rublev, someone uh, who has had successes, who has won a bunch of tournaments at the 500 level, has come up short uh, in these Masters 1000s, has come up just short uh, in, in the Grand Slam tournaments. He's kind of the guy that uh, largely gets ignored because uh, people his age have, have won already. And then we have so many great young prospects. So kind of when, when we're talking about potential slam winners, uh, we, we, we disrespect him a little bit, not by, not by, uh, him directly, but just by omission because of our excitement about some of the, the other young players. So, uh, yes, Runa's body gave out. Yes. It got away from him mentally, uh, missed some overheads might've gotten tight. Rublev stayed there today, just like he had all throughout the week. Listen, he's one of the guys where uh, his histrionics actually outweigh what a great competitor he is, right? We see him go nuts. We see him throw stuff. We see him yell and scream, but he doesn't go away, right? A lot of the people who lose their marbles, you know, will, will give you a couple points here and there. He always stays there. If it's a bathroom break, he comes back and checks himself. The guy is a very underrated competitor, knocking on the door for a long time. 
it's always nice to see process rewarded uh, in this game. It was certainly rewarded for uh, Andre Rublev today. It's nice to have Chris sitting here right now because you're a current player who just achieved a breakthrough in your career. Here's Rublev, a guy who had gone 0 for 2 in Masters 1000 finals previously. He's 0 for 7 in Grand Slam quarterfinals. He was starting to have a big stage problem. How big was it for him to get through that problem today? Oh, I think it was huge. And just like Andy said, we have to give him a little bit more credit simply because we talk oftentimes about seeing some of the outbursts on court. People question whether or not mentally he has the ability to stay there in order to win a big title, in order to go deep in a Grand Slam. And I think today it was even sweeter because of the adversity that he had to deal with. Down a break in the third set. Break points to go down a double break, was able to claw his way back, fight through it, and then began to deal with an opponent who physically was not at 100%. That oftentimes is tougher, the person who is 100%, to mm -hmm. see their opponent is laboring a little bit, struggling to move out of the corners. You start to second guess, should I go a little bit more consistent? and allow my opponent to dictate play, and I just scrap and claw and fight my way through? Or do I want to be the aggressor to force the issue? I think Rublev had a great balance in that today. He was the aggressor when he needed to. He was able to drift back and say, let's extend some of these points and see if Holger Aruna can come back and find his form, and he wasn't able to do it. But we have to give that credit to Andre Rublev. We have to give, as Andy pointed out, some, some bigger picture credit to Andre Rublev because, yes, he's been overshadowed by some younger stars. He's even been overshadowed by guys from his own country. Medvedev's a Grand Slam champion. Yeah. Hatchinoff has already won a Masters 1000 title. But take a look at his credentials now as we list them out here. 13 singles titles. There are only 10 active players that have more titles than that. It's his fifth straight year with at least one singles title. He's six in the world now. Um, that's starting to look like a pretty impressive collection of credentials, Andy Roddick. Yeah, listen, he's there week in and week out on, on every surface. And again, we give more value to uh, him being goofy in an interview or him kind of showing his cards. And I, I, love, I love his candor. Right, because he comes in, he doesn't try, he, he's not consumed by this mental insecurity where he, he seems like he has to provide a front. He'll tell us, I was nervous. I was hoping I was going to get through it. Oh gosh, I hope these guys have to play through 17 rain delays. That would be very beneficial to me. I find it refreshing, uh, kind of how honest he is. I find myself cheering for his successes because he gives us uh, back and we're always going to know exactly uh, what what he's thinking. But as far as a resume perspective, listen, 13 wins is a, is, is a big number. Now to add a Masters 1000, those have been few and far between uh some some players have been very greedy about those the last the last 20 years but we're going to see more and more uh first time winners uh, on this stage and and credit to him he's been knocking on the door for so long uh well deserved a happy for andre rublev it's actually something you could say about both of our finalists today they are both refreshingly honest about how they feel they don't mm -hmm. particularly care what you or anybody else yep. thinks of what they have to say and uh, that's a breath of fresh air in the sport let's hear from rublev as he celebrates his first masters 1000 crown i don't know what to say to be honest, I don't know. I'm just happy, finally struggling so much to win this freaking 1,000 tournament, and finally, I don't know, losing 4-1, love 30, saving break points, thinking that uh, it's no chance to win, and somehow I did it, and I don't know, man. That's exactly what Andy's talking about. Here's his road to the title. He beat his good buddy, buddy Corinne Hatchinoff, in round two. Caught a break, you could argue, with the qualifier Struff in the quarters, but then broke Taylor Fritz eight times in the semis. And Runa today, that's 
that's a pretty good collection of wins. Oh, that's a great collection of wins, something he can be proud of. I'm telling you, I know that, that all of that adversity playing a part is going to make this win that much sweeter. He's going to take this momentum and hopefully move it on through to the rest of the play court season. I'm curious, Andy, uh, as I look at his breakdown of his 13 titles, now four on clay, four on outdoor hard, five on indoor hard. So he's been good on slow courts. He's been good on really fast courts. What do you think his best surface is? Well, I actually don't think it's clay uh, still. I mean, listen, we don't we don't play any majors on a, on an indoor hard court, but if you give him something uh, kind of low bouncing that he can create speed on where, uh, you know, someone like a Carlos Alcaraz isn't going to get the ball up and away jumping out of his zone, uh, that's probably his best surface. But, he, I mean, he's well-versed on everything. His movement uh, on clay has improved uh, tenfold over the last couple of years. So I was just noticing today how he was kind of getting in and out of the quarters. It, it looked a little less awkward. Listen, we never question his ball striking, but a huge statistic, Brett, uh, which has been a, a, a bit of a, a, a question mark for Andre Rublev is defending his second serve. First serve is adequate. Second serve, I think, is probably the weakest part of, of his game. Winning 52% of those second serve points today in a week where we saw some ugly numbers on people defending their second serves. We had a match where Novak Djokovic had a three uh, in front of the percentage of when he was defending his second serve. So that to me was the biggest the biggest uh, stat today was defensive second serves. Holger Runa, 39%. Andre Rublev, 52%. And that goes to, to support your point of of Rublev really locking down and not having kind of that, that heart rate monitor of peaks and valleys uh, with the unforced air count, was really able to lock it down, and it served him well in the end. He's got the lowest average second serve speed out of anybody in the top 10. The average for the top 10 guys is 97. His average second serve speed is 90, and he still was able to win more than half of those points today. What do you think his best shot at a major is? He's made quarters in Australia. He's made quarters at Roland Garros. He's made three quarters at the U.S. Open, round of 16 at Wimbledon. Where's his best shot to make a run? Personally, I think the U.S. Open. I think the U.S. Open, those courts have gotten quicker over the years, and I think Rublev is a player who we've seen loves to play a lot of matches. He needs that match form in order to find his best form. He needs tons of time on the court. I think the U.S. Open being a hard court slam, being later in the year after he's already been able to have some peaks and valleys throughout the year and hopefully found that form. I think that's part of the reason he's had so much success at the U.S. Open. Later in the year, he's feeling good. He's on a quicker hard court and he can produce some spectacular shot making. Like Andy says, when that ball is low and in the zone and it's tough to get it up and out of his strike zone. There's his major performance grid seven quarterfinals that the issue is he's yet to get past a quarterfinal. We'll see if this Masters 1000 crown boosts his confidence enough that he believes he can make a deeper run at a grand slam. So we've got our champion. It's been a very interesting week on a number of fronts. So I want to go to 30,000 feet, Andy, and start with you. What's your biggest takeaway, aside from Rublev winning this title and Runa not getting across the line? What's your other headline from this week in Monte Carlo? Well, the, 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 the clay court literacy of a lot of our young stars um, is, 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 uh, is a big, big deal. Uh, even someone like a Taylor Fritz, who we don't normally, we wouldn't normally associate with with good clay court results, played great. Uh, you look at Alcaraz, you look at Sinner, you look at Christian, or sorry, Casper Rude. Uh, you you look at a you know Rune. It, it, the list goes on and on. Rublev, everyone is really good on clay, maybe with the exception of of Daniil Medvedev, and we know Novak Djokovic's history. So I think this is probably the most amount of realistic contenders that we've had in the lead up to Roland Garros 
in probably 20 or 25 years. Wow. It makes it exciting. And as Chris was walking through his uh, his his potential favorite grand slam for someone like an Andre Rublev, I'm going, yeah, I think hard is his best service, but I also think the people he's trying to beat it, it might be their best service. I think it's Karakaraz's best service. I think it's Djokovic's best service. I think it's Medvedev's best service. As far as just kind of uh, an open slam where any one of 12 guys could potentially be in a final, I think that's clay right now. It's interesting. He made the quarters at Roland Garros last year, lost to Chilich in a fifth set breaker. Otherwise, he would have been in the semis. What's your big 30,000-foot takeaway from this week in Monte Carlo? Uh, a couple things. I heard Andy mention Christian when referring to Casper Roots. So I think Andy's li- a, li- a little bit in the past right <laughs> He's there. He's allowed. He's <laughs> got to put a dollar in the jar for that, but okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think that a couple things. Taylor Fritz having a great showing in his first tournament on the European clay court season. Semiing Monte Carlo, the first American to do that in 20 years since Vince Spadia. I think he's huge. I think Fritz is a player who wants confidence, who needs confidence for him to go over there, first tournament on the red clay, and to have one of his biggest results in one of the biggest tournaments in the world on a surface that maybe has caused him a few issues in the past, I think bodes well for his clay court season. I was really impressed with Daniil Medvedev, his performance. Out of all the talk he does about not liking clay and thinking that every bounce is a bad bounce, he still, at the end of the day, beat Alex Zverev down a set. Zverev served for the second set and then served for the third set and was able to battle back to win that against an established clay quarter. So I think he can take a lot of confidence. Hopefully his mindset on the clay changes because I think he's an exciting player to watch, specifically on the clay. So literally looking forward to those two guys. Two big guys still trying to find their clay court footing but having a great week here in Monte Carlo. We're not drinking the Kool-Aid on the whole Medvedev is no good on the clay thing. He made the Roland Garros quarter. He's just trying to sell T-shirts on the hardcore specialist thing. I think that's what... He's after. Let's, uh, let's take a deep breath and take a break. We've got more to get to, including a big Team USA triumph in Delray Beach last night. They are headed to the finals of the Billie Jean King Cup. Some home cooking for Pagula and Goff. We'll show it to you after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back on TC Live and a reminder that tennis.com is the absolute best way to keep up with the clay court season. Check it out today for live scores and stats and results and follow the draws and get access to full match replays. Download the app or visit the website to get all the action on the Euro Red Clay. Time now for a TC20 anniversary message. The emergence of Tennis Channel, it's it's really allowed for kind of a one-stop shop for not only myself and and former players, but also for all the fans. if I think back to how, you know, following tennis before was a little bit tricky, right, from the various different networks. But now, you know, Tennis Channel is everywhere, right? And especially in my household, Tennis Channel is always on. Also, to be part of the Tennis Channel team, uh, I've been fortunate to be part of it for uh, almost 10 years now. So such an incredible team, you know, uh, working alongside, you know, people that I actually looked up to, you know, people like Tracy Austin, peers like Lindsey Davenport, Jim Currier, and so forth. And, and then great people like Brett Haber, Ted Robinson, always 
with people that I admired when I was still a player. So it's been an awesome run for me. Uh, it's been 10 years that I've been so thrilled to be part of the team here at Tennis Channel. Happy 20th birthday, Tennis Channel. Nolsey's son, Graham, played quarterback down in Texas. Believe me, Mark is not the best athlete in his family anymore. <laughs> so uh, Andre Rublev wins the title. We're two weeks into the clay season now. It's given us a lot to choose from in our best of the best category. Here's how our staff ranked him. Incredible! Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's an amazing point. That's just big hitting there. Mark that down for best of the best. of his life. How about this, Chris? How in the world Novak doesn't decide to take that in front of him and just to give Yakov an extra look, and that's all he needed. <laughs> well, we saw that they threw the legs earlier on, but you were saying that's, that's old hat now. That's something a little new. And it's got the crowd going here. Center on that point. Pirouette in there for good measure as well from Sinner. <laughs> I cannot believe it. Of all the points, it is break point for Javert between the legs. Every right to celebrate that. It's an extraordinary show. Outstanding. Forehand side of the racket from the backhand side of the body from Pagosi. That was flashy. We have a fashion question when we come back. Can you see with what these guys are wearing? And look who's here. The champ for his interview with Prakash. Stay with us. Welcome back to TC Live, or it was extremely emotional moments for this young man. This 25-year-old capturing his first Masters 1000 title, number 13 overall. Had all the crowd support behind him. Very emotional, as we can understand. Kind enough to join us. After lifting that beautiful trophy, Andre, you did it! Yes. You did it! Looks like I did it. Yes. All week you were saying, "No, don't, don't talk to me about yes. the tennis. Just, just next match, next match. I don't want to do it like I did the last time." Why was this so different today? I don't know, but now we can talk. Uh, now you can <laughs> no. ask me this feeling. If you win the uh, 1001 Master, what do you feel? I mean, I don't know. I'm happy because before, before the tournament, I knew that we are doing the. Like I was saying in some interviews, uh, I like what I'm doing now 
on practices of the court, the, the way we're practicing, the, the way I have treatments, the way I do fitness. I feel like this is the right way. And I, and I was thinking, OK, I, okay maybe on, on matches I'm not showing yet something special, but at least I know that on, practice, on practices I'm doing everything well and I feel that I'm moving in the right direction. So hopefully someday it will appears somewhere and I will have a chance to to do maybe something good but I didn't expect uh, <laughs> I don't know straight away you know well it, it paid off beautifully today it was a completely packed house playing in the finals of a Masters 1000 is very special you've lost twice before yeah. how many how much do you think those two losses helped you today uh, I guess everything is helping I don't know how much they helped me. If I would win those two Masters, it would be even better. But, <laughs> but because I would, then I would have three. <laughs> one is three is more better than one, you know. Well, you're still young, Andre. You can but, keep you can keep collecting. Uh, but yeah, today compared to the other two finals, mentally I was much, much, much better, and uh, that was the difference. But let's just talk a little bit about the match because obviously, you know, there were moments where you, you thought you were out of it 4-1 in that third set. Yeah. Even after that first set, yeah. you, you took a break again, yeah. got your head together. What do you think was the little bit edge you finally had? Uh, I mean, the first set was close, really. I felt like I had a lot of chances. He had a lot of chances, but in the end, he won it because two points, he played better than me, but inside I was feeling like I, ho I had also a lot of chances to win break points, love 30 and stuff like that. So I was thinking, okay, just keep doing the same way. Uh, maybe this time you will have better opportunities. And then that happened. I, I, I straight away, I broke him and I was, looks like I was leading the, the match better. And then I won the second set like this. And then the third set, he played really good game at 1-0 and I get tight and he played really well. And then, uh, yeah, I was losing 3-0, 4-1. And inside, I mean, the, the difference was that the, the other two finals, as soon as I was losing the set and I would start to lose in the break, I was mentally going completely down, like, okay, it's over. I have no chance. And um, again, uh, only, yeah. Only lost the match because I, I, I went down mentally. And today I was thinking, okay, if I have to lose this match, okay, but at least please fight till the end and believe in yourself till the end because maybe you will have one one extra chance to come back. And in the end, I was losing for one love 30, and I had these thoughts that, okay, please keep fighting, keep believing. Maybe it's not over, then he had break point, and I was also pushing myself, at least please win your serve. Maybe he will get tight or something, and you will have chance. And in the end, I was able to win my surf, then I was able to break him, and then, yeah, everything was different. And I was in the end, I was able somehow to win the match because from five all till seven five, I didn't realize anything. We, 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 I don't know, I, 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 like, yeah, in my head, I couldn't. I was, I don't know, I was somewhere else. I, I, I didn't realize even what happened. Well, you were, you, you were so focused. You were, you were in the zone. Something. That I don't know. At five all, I was thinking, just not, a, not about the moment. I was thinking about everything else that I'm losing. I lost the match. Everything I was thinking, but not about the moment. I don't know. So, and from five all till seven five. Uh, I don't know what happened, man. Andre, you, you, but I'm happy that I make it. Well, you must you must be thrilled. But being able to make that jump mentally, that's it, it's so difficult, especially in, in a match this big. Yes. Was this was this a big turning point for you? Do you feel maybe in your career? 
I don't know, we'll see if I'm smart enough. Maybe it's a turning moment if I'm the same. Uh, if I'm still stupid, then I will, <laughs> the next tournament I will still uh, be screaming. <laughs> it was a very special moment towards the second set, the third set, where everyone was completely cheering, Andre, Andre. And you talked about it a little bit after, yeah. where, you know, given given the country you're from, how, yeah. how special this is, that must have been no, very I'm, emotional. I'm, for you. I'm very grateful because it's so it's so difficult to get support, <laughs> and especially, like I said, yeah, being from the country where I'm from and in situations in situation where at the moment where I am, and being so it's even double difficult. Yeah. Just to get support from crowd is really difficult, and in this situation, in these conditions, it's double difficult. And to have this support is, um, I don't know, it's out of out of space, man. Uh, uh, bigger than sport. Now, yes. before we let you go, this is title number 13, so you got to tell us how you're going to celebrate. Friday 13, man. How, how are you going to celebrate? No, it's Andre? Sunday 13, man. Anything big? Any big plans? I don't know. We'll see. First, I need to do still things for you guys. Some media <laughs> stuff. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see when I get to the hotel. And then, of course, I, I mean, because the match is, was that long and now I have to play the next week in Banjaluka, I would like to have treatment and then we'll see. So, okay. Well, whatever you do, please enjoy it. You yes. are so deserving of this. And we all to get, to get drunk, no? Well, listen, listen, that, 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 that's up to you. But, uh, you know, make sure you drink something good. You've earned it after this. We're all so incredibly happy for you, Andre. Thank you so well much, man. Thank you. Brett, back to you guys. Prakash, Andre, thank you for the interview. Thank you for the honesty. Um, and in fairness to Andre, who did get some significant crowd support, he's one of the few Russian players who's been vocal in opposition to the war, writing no war please on camera lenses after match wins over last year and this. But Andy, it was very interesting to, to get inside his head there saying that he wasn't in the moment, his, he was drifting, but that he convinced himself to kind of hang in there, maybe his opponent would get tight, and that maybe he would have a chance to turn it around. It's just every time he speaks, it's it's so raw, and as a player, it's it's relatable because I think we all put put it forward this this false bravado a, a lot of the times, and you know for our own protection, for you know whatever it is, we try to create a certain narrative around ourselves, and it just doesn't seem like he. Harris, you know, he's just going to tell us exactly what he thinks, you know, he's, he's going to say, okay, well, you know, priority, like, and then he goes from like, I'm super professional, like, I'm going to tell you what needs to happen, right? What am I going to do after this? Well, I still have to play next week, I have to go get some treatment. And then once we've kind of accepted that and gone, oh, okay, so there is a professional thing, he goes, or maybe get drunk, I'm I don't know. Drunk. So yeah. it's just, it's kind of, it, it just, I, the way, the way he ebbs and flows through an interview, especially, we're approaching this vacuum kind of post Roger, Serena, uh, we don't know if, you know, we've definitely seen the healthiest days of Rafa, right? Uh, we, we're going to have this vacuum. And the more that we can fill that vacuum with kind of individual personalities that can create stardom, uh, the better we are uh, as a sport. This is just great. I every time he talks, I, I find myself laughing. Man, I, you're taking all of my points. But the one thing I will say from a current player perspective is that we spent so many years watching the greats of the game, the Andy Murrays, the Roger Federers, the Novak Djokovic, the Serena Williams, the Rafael Nadals, all get in interviews and give the answers that you're supposed to tell your 12-year-old child. <laughs> hey, you believe you can win no matter the score. Play every point like your life depends on it. Those negative thoughts, just always know that you can fight back. 
No, there are certain times when you're on tour and you're in a bad situation where you might just look up at the score and go, this sucks, and I don't want to be in this situation. And then my college coach would always say, you can't control the thoughts that come in your head. You can only control how long they stay there. Yeah. Those thoughts constantly come through the head of some of the best tennis players in the world. But for so many years, they would get in press conferences and just say how they just fight so hard and they always believe that they can win. There's never a doubt that the match was in question when they have some of these dramatic comebacks. And it may work for them. That may work for them, and they may be being completely honest. But for a lot of other players in the locker room, I'll say probably 98 to 97% of the other players in the locker room, those negative thoughts come into mind. They do, and it's just about how you deal with them, and it's so good to see Andre Rublev deal with those negative thoughts in his own way, and he was able to be successful with it. And it's funny because I think somewhere at some point in the past, someone told athletes you have to be generic and bland and a little bit untruthful to like get the public to like you or to get sponsors to sign you up. Maybe this is the start of the realization that what we really want, Andy, is guys like this who tell the truth regardless of the consequences. Yeah, and it's also refreshing to have someone. I mean, Chris mentioned all of the greats and the fact that they rarely have a misstep uh, publicly uh, with, with their statements, but it's also not worth their time <laughs> to give us something to break down to then get asked about for an hour. So my, my trade-off was always, I, listen, I want to be extremely honest. I'm by no means anywhere close to any of the people Chris mentioned, but for a moment in time, if there was a controversy... As, as an American, I was going to be on the front lines of kind of answering uh, that question. And I always drew the line between, listen, I want to be honest. I want to be upfront, But also, is it worth the scar tissue on the back end uh, with follow-ups? And basically having to repeat the same thing for the next week of my life. And that's kind of the trade-off. So, But it's just, it's just refreshing to see someone who tells you, you know what? I didn't have this overwhelming belief that down 4-1, almost down two breaks, that it was my day. Like, yeah, most of us think this is probably not going to work out, but I'm going to compete every point on the way in, and maybe something great will happen. That's a more realistic take on it. I just want to give one quick story that's similar to the point of Andre Rublev, what he said. I was playing second-round qualities of Indian Wells last year. I lose the first set 6-2. I go on a run and get eight games in a row. If you've ever seen me play, for me to win eight games in a row and break somebody four consecutive <laughs> times, that's a bit of an anomaly. So I was playing exceptionally well. My opponent began to find their form, end up breaking me twice in the third set, served for the match, I believe, at 5-4, or I think believe up 4-1 in the third. I'm sitting on the changeover, and in my mind, I go, well, what is the quickest flight I can get back to Atlanta after this match? I'm looking at the clock. We're sitting at around 1 o'clock. I know that there's a PSP to Atlanta flight that leaves at around 5 o'clock. If I can get off this court and I can go to Stringing and grab my laundry and get everything back to the hotel, yeah. I'm probably able to make this next flight. The moment the ball was in play, all of those thoughts go out of your head. You're focused yeah. on the task at hand. You want to win. But in that downtime of sitting on that changeover, my mind was completely elsewhere. It was completely in the most negative place it could be, <laughs> trying to figure out if I can get an exit row aisle or will I be pushed middle for four and a half hours. I was able to turn that match around. The goal was on to win that match, coming back from being down a break in the third and actually won my first round in India well. So it's amazing how things can change so fast. This speaks to the show that we've always wanted to do, and I think between Andy and Chris, this is the closest <laughs> we've ever come to the truth serum version of Tennis Channel Live where we don't get the platitudes and the nonsense that athletes lots of times yeah. pass off, but we get the real what's inside their head <laughs> unvarnished. Thank you for that. Andy, thank you for always doing that.
and I'm going to exhale and just appreciate how much I've enjoyed the last half an hour. But we do, <laughs> we do have uh, patriotism to get into because Team USA has won it down in Delray Beach, the Billie Jean King Cup qualifier against Austria. Jesse Pagula did play that first reverse singles, Andy, and she did not have a problem clinching. And more of the same, we see it every week. Jesse Pagula driving the ball through the court. Uh, to the corners, getting that first strike in, and if it's not there, playing deep middle. She's the best in the world at that, at not giving you an angle and keeping you. She makes you attack from suspect positions time after time. Uh, didn't have an unreal uh, BJK Cup record before this, so this weekend I think super beneficial for Jesse to get some matches she was supposed to win, was comfortably favored in both of them, but went through the processes of going through the nerve set of winning for your country at home. It was always hard for me and Davis Cup. It was harder to play uh, home ties than it was away ties for a long time, just because of the nerves involved and the expectation involved, and the fact that you were playing for someone else. So Jesse Bagula was really solid start to finish. It's what we expected, but still an accomplishment for Captain Rinaldi and the US team. Nothing better than taking that lap around the court with the flag in your hands, I would imagine, as Jesse improves to four and two. Here are some other results from the qualifier weekend. There were nine ties played. Canada gets three points from Layla Fernandez as they beat Belgium and Vancouver. Cacioretto and Trevisan win a deciding fifth rubber doubles over Slovakia as Italy advances. And France gets a couple singles wins from Caroline Garcia as they take the Brits out in Coventry. The U.S. and the eight other qualifiers now advance to the finals in November. So let us go to the social net for this Sunday. And we start with Naomi Osaka alongside Jerry Rice and Matt Leinart at the USC spring game yesterday. Nice to see her and her soon-to-be baby out and about. You you saw Naomi this week, Chris, didn't you? I did. I had the pleasure of practicing with her. I told her, hey, I'm coming out in L.A. to do a little bit of tennis channels. Her first question, well, did you bring your rackets? I said, absolutely. We got together, had a nice strike. She's still striking the ball exceptionally well. I can tell you she is working extremely hard to be able to maximize what she's able to do post-pregnancy, and she really wants it. She's, she's coming out motivated, and I think it's going to be great for a lot of fans. We, we would like to see Naomi back after when she's ready, Andy, wouldn't we? Yeah, of course. I mean, she's such a, a gift to the game, uh, especially when she's in full flight. There's going to be a, a different moment in life coming up. I, it, from what I've read, I, 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 I haven't... Uh, obviously, I'm not close to Naomi. Obviously, Chris uh, has had proximity... proximity Proximity recently, easy for me to say. But uh, listen, we want her back. We want her back on her terms. Uh, and we want her to enjoy this this next uh, kind of process of life. What a gift it is. And uh, listen, I know if she, she does come back, fantastic. If she never plays, the, the thing we don't talk about enough, if she never plays another point for the rest of her life, she's a first ballot Hall of Famer oh, yeah. and won four grand slams. So that is locked in. That's never getting taken away. Hopefully we can see more of it. All right, uh, this is a bit of a fashion question as we move on, and uh, it goes to Holger Runa's outfit this weekend. Did you notice that he seemed to be wearing a kit that was exactly matching the color of the red clay? Some people on social media called it clay camouflage. Uh, and compare that, if you will, to the outfit that his opponent yesterday was wearing. Yannick Sinner was wearing a shirt that exactly matched the color of the tennis ball. Some players say that the ball gets lost in the background of a shirt like that when you're playing an opponent like that. Chris, should either or both of these outfits be outlawed in tennis? I don't think they should be outlawed. I do think that the clothing manufacturers have to be very conscious about any 
uh, color that is close to that of a tennis ball. It, the margins are so slim. You don't want to miss a ball, misjudge or misgauge a ball simply because you lost it for a half a second coming across a bright yellow shirt when you're playing. For Holger Runa, just a fashion choice. If he wants to go out there and blend in with the clay, more than more power to him. I actually kind of like a little bit of variety. How, how, do you know, how do you know when your kit is dirty if that's the color of your kit? <laughs> I think you just gotta you gotta trust that being playing on the clay courts, you're gonna get dirty. <laughs> and Hogaruna got pretty dirty this week. What, what about the yellow tennis ball color kit, Andy? Could could that take a split second away from an opponent who loses or has a hard time identifying the tennis ball? Yeah, I mean, and, and one thing I'm thankful for is that we're finally getting to the hard-pressing issues. Um, Come on, I these, these are the, the issues. Uh, I think, I think, I think I, the, the orange on orange doesn't bother me any. It's like a blue on blue on a hard court. Whatever the backdrop is, it kind of fades in. But there is something to the neon yellow trying to track a neon yellow ball, and you have oftentimes a quarter of a second uh, to react. Those things do matter. Outlawing it uh, seems like a leap. I don't think anyone would miss it if they did, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't uh, see Anna Winter complimenting anybody in the Dayglow tennis color uh, yellow shirt. <laughs> All right, well, we'll leave that for another. These are the pressing issues in the sport. We'll take a break, come back, and wrap things okay. up. It's been a very entertaining week in Monte Carlo, but the tennis continues tomorrow. The tennis never stops, so we look ahead to tomorrow as we get started in Barcelona and Stuttgart. Feature matches include an All-American showdown between Ben Shelton and Mackie McDonald, 41-year-old Feli Lopez getting a wild card on home soil, and Coco Goff on the quick turn from Delray gets Kuder Matova in Stuttgart. How about a battle of slam winners with Radakanu and Ostapenko? Our team on the ground in Europe is Danny Kleppinger and Prakash Amitrov. All right, Brett, back at our FanDuel desk. P, next up on this clay court journey is Barcelona. Yep. It's going to be a great one. We'll have coverage all week long on Tennis Channel, but who should we have our eye on? Well, after the spectacular run of Taylor Fritz over here in Monte Carlo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at the Americans. we got a three who are straight into the main draw. Real bummer that Mackie and uh, Ben Shelton have to play each other in the first round. But... Um, Francis, too. Francis stopped by here in Monte Carlo. Kim's be feeling really good after taking that title in Houston. Cannot wait to see. Hope, hoping for a little Carlos Francis semi over there. It's going to be an exciting tournament for sure. Prakash and I will be back for action in Madrid. Looking forward to seeing you all then. Great job all week, guys, in Monte Carlo. Time for our FanDuel pick of the day. Andy Roddick once again stepping in for Chanda Rubin. All-American showdown. Who you got, McDonald or Shelton, Andy? I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Shelton. He uh, has already gotten some clay reps in. Played Esra last week. I'm sure he's been uh, on on the surface uh, this week as well. Uh, for no other reason than he seems like he's two two weeks ahead with his preparation. I'm gonna go with that, Shelton. What about you, Chris? It's it's pretty much a pick'em according to. I'm not asking you for odds as a current player. I'm just asking you, without odds. Who you favor in that match? I think game style wise, I have to go with Ben Shelton as well. I think having more time on the clay, playing Esterul, going over there that added week early, having a good showing in Monte Carlo as well. Mackey was struggling a little bit to find his footing in the first round against Gakoff. I think the kick serve for Ben Shelton is going to be used, but also these are two guys that know each other extremely well. They played doubles a few times together. They're all pretty close friends. So it's going to be a fun matchup. I'm interested to see how Mackey's going to counter that nasty kick serve of Ben Shelton and that raw athleticism that he exhibits on the clay. All right, uh, we look forward to that All-American match on the clay. The other thing we get back in Barcelona is Carlos Alcaraz. He's the defending champion. But, Andy, uh, we heard the reason that he skipped Monte Carlo was arthritic pain in his hand and something wrong with his back. I mean, if you're hearing the word arthritis with a 19-year-old, that, that's not good, is it? Uh, no. Uh, you, know, you know, hopefully 
um, they're able to pace him out a little bit. I don't think if it was something that serious that we'd be seeing him this week, right? There's still plenty of time to get your reps in uh, before Roland Garros. Someone please check that man's ID, by the way. I don't know what he's doing. That Hopefully that wasn't in America where he's taking, no. taking a big swiggy swig. There. Not that I'm against it. Uh, I'm, an, I'm a... Hashtag I'm a big supporter of it, but I also, yeah, but I also just don't want anyone to get in real trouble. But um, listen, I, 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 it is concerning. The guy's body is electric. Uh, one of the things that is undersold with the big three and their greatness is just the fact that they were able to keep keep themselves together physically uh, for that long. It's all right there for, for Carlos Alcaraz. I do have faith in him having Juan Carlos Ferrero in his corner, kind of knows how to go through the pacing. And I like that they're starting to pull out events when he's not fully healthy. I don't feel like they did that at uh, post-US Open uh, last year. Ended up paying the bill for it a little bit. So hopefully they'll get to understand his pacing and scheduling and how his body reacts to that. Alcaraz, 18-2 and two on the year. Last time we saw him was the semifinals in Miami against Yannick Sinner in one of the most compelling matches we've seen in a while. We've also got the women starting in Stuttgart tomorrow. That is a 500 event for them. Coco Goff going to make the flight across even as we speak. She starts off against Kuder Matova, who beat her in Doha. What are your expectations for Coco this clay season as she works her way back to Roland Garros, where she made the final last year? Well, clay is obviously, like you said, making the Roland Garros final a surface that she finds herself very, very comfortable on. A little bit added time allows her to really get a little bit of height on the forehand. Her athleticism is going to show on no matter the surface, but I think especially on clay, simply because it's slow, she has more time. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe Stuttgart's clay courts are pretty fast. It's mm-hmm. an indoor venue. Kudermatova is a very good player. I've got a chance to watch her a few times just practicing next to her and catching some of her matches. And I go, man, this girl has really got something. So she, that's going to be a tough matchup for Coco. Big hitter, faster conditions. Stuttgart historically has also been very slippery. So it's going to be able to see – it's going to be interesting to see, rather, how – Coco finds her footing and how she's able to neutralize some of that power coming off the end of Kudermatova. Andy, what do you expect for Coco this yeah. play season? Uh, well, hopefully the upside. I mean, she's showing what the upside is. It's it's getting to a Grand Slam final uh, at Roland Garros. So hopefully she can find her footing. Maybe she said, hey, listen, I, if I'm her coach, I'm saying, listen, you're, you're switching uh, countries, time zones, surface, indoor, outdoor, uh, you know, so on and so forth. So And, and Kudermatova is a tough matchup. Anyone who can get pace, flat to Coco's forehand time after time uh, tends to be a tough matchup for her. So it's all against her uh, coming up in this first round match. But these are the types of things where I can sneak through this one when it's less than perfect preparation for this moment. Maybe we can get a little mojo. Maybe we can go uh, get a little momentum going. Thank you, Andy, and thank you, Chris, for the closest thing to a truth serum version of TC Live that we've ever had. <laughs> Great week from you. Thank we'll you. see you back on court. You're going, headed to South Korea, right? Heading to Korea for three weeks before heading over for the clay in Geneva and then Roland Garros. Good luck to you. Andy, thanks to our crews here in Santa Monica and across in Monte Carlo. Profound thanks and a big congrats to Andre Rublev, a Masters 1000 champion. For the first time for Andy and Chris, I'm Brett. We will see you bright and early tomorrow morning for the start of week 16 in Barcelona for the men and Stuttgart for the women.